Remain seated, please. Ponme sentados, por favor. That was short. So that was the Matterhorn, right? Yep. Okay, cool. Hey, everybody. Hey, we're back. It's Anna Musings, your favorite show. I, I hope it's your favorite show. Well, I, we're excited because we've returned. <laughs> no. we're, we're back to the proper feature-length story again <laughs> after almost, uh, what, six months of nothing but uh, package films? Yeah. We're back to feature-length. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the package films for what they were, but this has actually been a really refreshing sort of oh. film to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, we have actually left as of this recording. Oh, we, we should reintroduce ourselves. I'm David. I'm Kayla. And if this is your first time coming in here, we have 11 other episodes we did before this where we're covering the uh, whole length and breadth of the entire Walt Disney Animation Studios canon. Uh, we've gone from 1940s to, the, to 1950, and uh, the film we are talking about today is none other... Then Cinderella. Cinderella. And actually, this is definitely the start of the 1950. Like, 50s, it actually came out uh, in March of 1950. Oh, cool. So early 1950. Yeah. It actually appeared in Boston in, um, in February of 1950. Okay. But US-wide, it came out in March. So it premiered in Boston. It premiered in Boston. That's interesting. Okay. Um, now, uh, as we last remembered with the package films... Walt Disney was, like, slowly trying to get himself out of debt because, uh... <laughs> well, the war effort had kind of been an issue, for one. Yeah, um, plus, and that's why he did the package films, because they were so much cheaper to make, and... Not to mention the shadow of the writer's strike was still kind of looming over the studio. Yeah, he still wasn't doing well, by the way. At this point, he was $4 million in debt. <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe you shouldn't have. Maybe you should have handled that strike better. Oh yeah. I'm just saying, bro. I know you're dead, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I know you've been dead since the '60s, but even so. I mean, you remember that speech he made? I mean, I do. I do. That, okay. If you guys want to listen in one of our last podcasts, uh, we discussed the writer strike, and uh, Walt actually makes a speech that doesn't really paint a good picture of him. He comes across as a jerk, so... I mean, you can't be some... I got, well, here's the thing. Walt was a bit... Walt was a businessman, first and foremost. Yeah, he was. He was an entertainer, but he was a business entertainer. And mm -hmm. so, of course, when there's that thing... I'm, I'm not ju justifying what Walt said or that he's saying that he handled it very well, but come on, man. <laughs> you have a reputation to uphold. Th I think one of the things we got to realize... This man is human, and we're not analyzing Walt as a person. Yeah, this isn't the this isn't the Anna Musings is not the musings about whether Walt Disney was a cool person or not. This, unfortunately, this is more about that's why we're going with Walt Disney Animated Studios work. This is yeah, this is about the work that his studio created. And um, should we just get right into Cinderella? Because I've been itching to talk about this for ages. Yeah, but uh, let me oh, get tell the, me about the film itself. Tell well, me the history. Me, be be a champion. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, $4 million in debt. And actually, uh, uh, they were coming up with the story Cinderella while they were making the package films. This was considered the well, like a huge gamble. Uh, because, one, it cost nearly $3 million to make. Wow. And if this movie would have failed, it would have been the end of Walt Disney Studios. So this was a big risk. Yeah. So okay. You want to know how well it did? How well did it do? It became the biggest critical commercial hit for the studio since Snow White and the Seven Doors. 
Do you think it's because it was like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and that it was another oh, fairy tale story a- involving a princess? Actually, the review said this was probably one of his best films at that time. If not the best. Because the... Anyway, we'll just get into that, but like... Right, we'll talk know, about what we think of the film. Do you, you want to know how big it was? How big was it? So, it was a $2.9 million budget. Okay. He made back... $263.6 million oh. at the box office. Now, was this one of their biggest? This was, one oh, of their bi- this was their biggest financial success for the film at the time, right? Yes. Damn. And actually was the third biggest hit of the year of 1950. Well, you know what? As I think about this this film, it makes sense to me. This is, um, wow. I mean, we, we'll we get into it and um, explain more in detail why... I, I mean, I love this film. I'm gonna say upfront, I love this film. Now, um, you have a you have a bigger like more personal history. Well, not personal, but you have a bigger history with it than I do. I yeah. Think. So this was actually my mom's favorite Disney movie, or uh, if it was, it's between this and Mary Poppins. But I watched Cinderella quite a bit growing up, and actually, um, uh, Cinderella is is my second favorite Disney princess, right after Belle. Um, and with good reason. I know a lot of people would say, would think to themselves, but Cinderella is such a boring character. She marries the first guy she meets. Okay. I, I, I will, once, if we, I want to delve into the film because I can explain a bit Go more. for it. Hey, no, this is, this. No, I mean, well, let's go through the film first and then. No, 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 no. I mean, let's, in summary, talk, just, let's, let's talk about it for a second because you're on a roll here. I don't no, want to no, cut you okay. off. No, it's okay. No, 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 it's okay. Really, it's okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Because, I want to explain, because as we go through it, because as we p- pick out, like, the details, I think that's going to actually prove Cinderella's character and okay. why I like her character so much. No, that's totally valid. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, uh, I don't have as much of a history with this, because while I had seen it and seen lots of bits and pieces of it at, in my youth, this wasn't one I watched frequently. I think I maybe... I could count on one time the number one one time. I can count on one hand the number of times <laughs> I have seen this movie, um, and uh, it's I it got to the point where watching this again all the way through I knew the beats, but it was almost kind of like seeing it for the first time again. Mm-hmm. So that was actually or, or the whole thing through, and I I really thoroughly enjoyed this. This mm-hmm. was really this was a this was fun, especially. After doing, again, doing all the package films, it was really great to kind of just sit down and be immersed in a story that was just beautifully animated and and told. Um, so, uh, as we delve into, first off, we get the uh, wonderful storybook opening. But um, before we do that, the night, this, this was a fun fact. So, we got the nine old men. Right. Uh, this is the first film where all nine old men were, <laughs> can, were animated uh, animation directors in this film. They all work together in this one film. And that is... It kind of shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so cool, guys. It really is. These guys are legends. and They're legends for a good reason. Yeah. And they're very talented. And it's just... Oh, it warms my heart. <laughs> yeah. I... I um... Gosh, the amount of talent that went into this movie. The opening credits, we were just picking up names left, right, and center. Like Claude Coates and Mary Blair. Harvey Toombs. We see a lot of familiar names. Yeah. Ward Kimball of Iwerks is involved again. Yeah. I, I swear, once Ub got back on it, like, I know that, I, you know, like, if you if you know the history of Disney as a studio, do you know that Ub and Walt had a little bit of a falling out for a bit? Yeah. And then they eventually kind of got back together and started working on things again. 
Uh, which is really great because I think I think Ub's, um, of Iwerks' um, work, and he's credited very specifically in this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what it was, what this credit was. Because I, I remember going, I should make note of that, and I didn't. I, We're just kind of doing this spontaneously. I forgot to, hon. I didn't That's think, okay. I didn't remember. I could ramble on for a bit if you want to use the power of the internet to look it up. Uh, uh, that's what I'm doing The credits right now. For, for this film. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we have the, like any good, and, and, and by the way, at this stage, uh, Disney films are still being produced by RKO Radio Pictures. Uh, we're gonna see that for a while. Uh, it never, it doesn't really dawn on me that we talk about the fact that most of these films were, uh, distributed through RKO, but that would be a consistent thing for a while. So, um, you get used to seeing that, like we have been throughout these. They, that would come up, and then we get, we don't really get these in movies anymore, but the opening credit sequences where you have a, the opening score accompanied by the, the animation credits. And I always really liked these. I don't know why um, it's not done as much anymore, but I think it's a perfectly lovely way to open a, a film. So um, so we go, we get through there, and it's great to see the, the gang all back together working on a, on a feature, a feature piece of animation. As much as I love a lot of the package films, especially Ichabod and Mr. Toad, uh, which was kind of a return to form. Uh, getting back to this was a joy. It was. I, I have to admit, it was mm, made me so happy. <laughs> um, I'm trying, I, and I have my, I have my things I kind of want to bring up in terms of like asking the tough questions about this film. Okay, so I have it. He was visual effects. That's right. Okay, awesome. Which actually is pretty cool because um, that means he uh, did the, and I'm not, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here. The, the famous um, transformation uh, gown scene, uh, that would have been him. Right. I mean, we have a lot of the animators to thank for how well and exquisitely it came out. Because the, the thing that's important to remember with these is despite the fact that Walt was the visionary behind it, a lot of it, this was every piece of uh, film that comes out of this is a huge team effort. Oh, yeah. And it takes, you know, dozens to hundreds of talented animators and people to get this done and considering again that like you look back at snow white oh for example, yeah yeah we're we're almost a year into this podcast now uh, next month will actually be our one year anniversary doing this and mm-hmm. um um it's so crazy to see how much the medium has evolved in snow white and yet and the the quality has only gotten well it dipped a little bit in some places yeah but it, it's only like it's only gotten better like you actually see the technical innovations that go into uh, these films, so... So, uh, let's begin, I guess. Um, let's open that real-life storybook that's at the beginning, which makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it actually begins like uh, like a storybook. It shows pictures of Cinderella as a young girl and basically uh, tells the whole story of how her father and her lived happily, but they thought, oh, he needed a... She needed a mother figure, so marries um, the... Amazing stepmother. Okay, I'm sorry. I know. Are we immediately going to talk about Lady Tremaine? Okay, first off, I'm just going to say this. Lady Tremaine is voiced by Eleanor Audley, who also will later on go to voice uh, Maleficent, as well as personal favorite Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion. Would you say of those three characters, Madame Leota is your your favorite? Oh, of course she is. (laughs) Of course she is. Everybody, everybody who listens to this knows we we are gigantic haunted mansion nerds. Oh, if they yeah. didn't know that, I'd be shocked. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Madame Leota is is phenomenal, and 
and, and th- this is the, is this the first film with Eleanor Audley? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first film Disney film. Yeah, that she was because it was. Um, Verna Felton was the in Dumbo. Right. So this and, and Verna Felton actually comes in as the fairy godmother in this one. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. She makes a return, <laughs> um, which is cool to see. Uh, uh, but Eleanor Audley, yeah, this would be her first role in this one. Um, Can I point out two things that I noticed during this opening sequence? That's really that's really subtle, but it, I, as I think about it, it's kind of cool. So you see Cinderella as a young girl with her father when the chateau that they live in. Mm-hmm. By the way, they're they're in a little country, and the the narrate the, the this bit is narrated, which is interesting because the both Snow White. Snow White was not narrated when we did the or the book segment, but here it is. Mm-hmm. And talk the narrator talks about a little a little country, which later on we can presume is a part of France, or at least in a French area. Well, these one of the things that they make very, um, very important, like in the credits, is like based on the original story, which I, I kind of rolled my eyes at, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, by Charles Perrault, who is a French writer, so I think they wanted to stick. Mostly was Charles Peralt's story, rather. Now you 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 get you say that because Peralt is not necessarily the person who came up with a story. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's fair. Um, it's a fairy tale, but yeah. So we have the Peralt stories are basic. The other thing I noticed, and actually this is a neat little detail that I didn't think about until later. When you see Cinderella with her father, you also see a a that there's a horse and a puppy. There's a, there's a, Aww, and the puppy, yeah. the, the, it's Bruno. <laughs> yeah, the puppy is Bruno. You get to see Bruno as a puppy, which is really nice. So you know that because these are the, the, fa- okay, here's the thing. Animals that come with Cinderella, good. Animals that come with the other members of the family, bad. So the fact that Bruno and the horse, does the horse have a name? Um, I don't think the horse ever gets a name. I don't know. It was never. Gunpowder. Really- so anyway. <laughs> If, there, if there's a horse that shows up that doesn't have a name, I'm just going to call it Gunpowder. Gunpowder is Gunpowder, his... yeah. So, <laughs> so then, so he marries, he marries, um, Lady Tremaine, and we are also introduced to Anastasia and Drusella. And those are amazing names, by the way. Yeah. And clearly she cares more about her daughters than Cinderella, because when, uh, unexpectedly Cinderella's father passes away, Mm-hmm. It's suddenly like, well, her true colors come out, and the narrator straight says she abuses her and yeah, this she yells goes, at her and eventually forces her to do scullery work around the house. Like she go comes out and actually says it, like, or the narrator comes out and says, like, no, 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 Cinderella was actually abused. I mean, and the level of abuse, I guess you could argue, but abuse is abuse. So, like, yeah, you're there's no illusions about the character of the stepmother in this story. And we come back to the present after this moment and we meet Cinderella in the now a little bit more broken down, a little bit more run down chateau. It's not terrible. It's just a lot of its disrepair has come from the fact that um, the money has been mostly spent to turn Drusilla and Anastasia into brats. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that they're just living off of Cinderella's father's money. We can presume he was pretty wealthy. It, I mean, he, he, he owned that chateau, chateau before he married Lady Tremaine. So, and, and she, all three of them don't seem to work at all. 
Here's the other thing, too. It's implied that he married Lady Tremaine because it was a status thing. Like, he wanted to marry someone with 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 money oh, and, and sta- yeah, yeah. status. Like, a good family line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't think... I'm not sure he married out of love. He probably did, and that's how Cinderella came into being. Oh, no, no. There's no doubt that Cinderella came from love. But I think he, one of the reasons he wanted to marry, too, was because, oh... She needs a mother figure. That was the main thing. But, um, and he probably thought, oh, probably she was a mother figure because, like, look, she has her own two daughters who just happen to be the same age as Cinderella. And, of course, this is a world where forget love. Let's marry within the next day, shall we? <laughs> That's kind of true. Um, it's okay. Maybe this is subtext I'm putting in there, but Cinderella's father does die kind of unexpectedly. I I don't think it's here. You don't me. think it's murder? No. You don't I think I really that... don't think it is. Cause okay. I, I want to, no, I really don't want to think that. I wanna think of uh her character as a bit more complicated than that. Cause I just I don't ever like the idea that it's like she's just pure evil. I'm like I I kinda like this idea that like she probably did marry him probably for status purposes. She probably did marry him because she found him attractive. But like anything, it's you lose the love of your life and or not love of your life. You lose someone you genuinely care about. And all that's left is this girl that you hardly know. And the narrator even says he she was jealous of uh, how much this little girl was given so much attention. And that's probably something that upset her was like when she married this man was how much attention he did give his own daughter compared to her stepdaughters. So that probably, I like to think of her as more human than that. That's right. I just, it was only kind of touched upon. It's not really delved into. We don't get a lot of late, we don't, Lady Tremaine, while we could go on about the possible subtext of it, she's not presented as a terribly complex character. No. And neither are Drusilla or Anastasia, to be honest. But the way she acts too, think about this, like, she's very, I mean, she does get angry, but she does it so coolly she's conniving and controlling and she knows it she knows it yeah yeah so let's talk about cinderella because the next thing we see is the birds coming and waking her up and by the way (laughs) okay before before we get into this um i have to say that um the so we have eileen woods playing cinderella and i actually i got i got a couple of cool stories about this Um, fire away so eileen woods uh, actually beat 309 girls for this part. But <laughs> she had no idea she was auditioning for it. Really? Like, she just made a, the recordings to a few friends, and they sent them to Disney without telling her. No way. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this one's a bit more sad, but I still find it lovely. So later in life, like, uh, well, when she was getting older, before she passed away, uh, she was suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Uh, she didn't even remember she had played Cinderella. But the nurses claimed that she would listen to the song A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes and just felt very comfort, like a great amount of comfort while listening to this song. Aww. Yeah. I mean, that's our first song. That's pretty much how the movie opens. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into that, um, so it opens with, like, the light shines in, and you see Cinderella asleep, and then birdies come in. But here's the funny part. They're trying to wake her up, and she's like, mm, no, let me sleep. Gently obstinate about wanting to stay in bed. And I'm like, okay, see, 
that's realistic. <laughs> I am sorry, but that is actually that's a great character trait. Like, I mean, it's that's you in the morning. Yeah, it is me in the morning. <laughs> like, n- like she doesn't just wake up like, oh, I'm so happily awake. She's like, no, please, no, God, let me go back to bed. You know, the first thing I, I noticed thinking about this was that these birds wear clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then they keep trying to wake her up, and then there's a point where she just, uh, like, flicks one of the birds as, like, to, like, playfully prank him, and, uh, she's like, well, that's your fault for trying to wake me up and, uh, from my good dream. And, um, I actually was telling you this, she has her hair in, like, a uh, in, um, braids. Right. And, uh, I told you this, like, girls do this. This okay. is, like, I kind of like the realism in this, because... I've done this before. Right. I know a lot of people who do do this. It they do like they, after they shower, mm-hmm. or um, in, like at night, or like um, to keep their hair curly. Uh-huh. Uh They will or like keep them wavy. They'll do it. They'll put it in braids and then wake up in the morning and then it just like because the braids have been like in throughout the night. It'll make it look more. Wavy. Oh, it keeps it more like yeah. Well, which keeps is the shape which is awful better. because like. You can tell, like, uh, I mean, you know the part where she takes a shower, and they just suddenly put water on top of her head? Yeah. Basically ruining the effect. But you can tell, like, I don't think she really wanted that, because she had her hair up in a bun. And <laughs> Which is why she cringes so much, or yeah. is it because the water's cold? I'm de- my mo- money is for both, that she was just... <laughs> First I- the water's cold, and then the realization hits, oh no... I spent all night working on this hair. Hair. And they're, it's just now been ruined. Excuse me, birdies. I don't want to be mean, but the you birds, just... The birds are just trying to help, Cinderella. Yeah, I know. Um, so... So they're... And she's too polite to, like, say... Uh, right. Well, she says she sings The Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, and this is a beautiful song. It and is the first a song lovely we get. song. Yeah. And it... Honestly, uh, it's funny because I remember as a kid, it's like... So, if you dream about it, does that mean it's going to come true? It's like, no, no, no. Guys, think for a second. A no, dream is a, a wish, wish your, your heart, heart makes. It's the idea that it's something you want so badly that you will try to work for it. And, um, you know, that's the thing. She uses this to kind of buoy her as she's stuck in this life where she's stuck. Like, you know, you don't see her complain a lot. You never, no. in fact, you rarely ever see her complain uh, unless she's in private. So her complaints usually, uh, like, I mean, she wakes up and then the clock, like, binds. <laughs> she's just like, oh, kill joy. I actually really like that line. I love it, too. It's such a great Like, word. people who say that Cinderella has no personality, I don't think know what they're talking no, about. No, and this is why I like her so much. Because, first off, this is one of the few characters, like, early on, too, that's like... She's sarcastic, mm-hmm. like, um, and yeah, I, I, I will point out lines where she actually does act sarcastic. She acts human, like she doesn't want to wake up in the morning, like, because it's so early. And then she's even more annoyed by the fact that she's being woken up by a clock. It's like, oh god, <laughs> I just want to lay in bed. I have to go get up and go to work. She even gently chides the clock and explains how even he gets up early. So yeah. I guess I'd better. Or too. even he bosses me. Or even bosses me around. Yeah, she takes. Here's the thing. She takes her the fact that she's stuck in this actually pretty hopeless situation in amazing stride. It, it, it that takes. But here's the thing. She's been doing this for years. Yeah, that's true. She and has to find happiness where she can. Right. Exactly, and it probably helps that one. 
her sand. I mean, this we could probably discuss how this helps either messes with our sanity or not, but she <laughs> actually has bird and mice friends to help her keep some sort of sanity or happiness. Well, as we've established in Snow White, certain people have the ability to make friends with animals. Snow White is fir- is the first person to exhibit this unique superpower, mm-hmm. and she does it pretty early on when she befriends all the forest animals who then would die for her, I should mention. Mm-hmm. Um, these ones... She has, actually, I would say, not only does she grant these animals the ability to, to like, she gives them clothes and is, befriends them, she gives them uh, similar abilities, but she almost makes them, like, intelligent. Like, she makes yeah. them completely sentient. For example, like, all the animals that, this, I, I actually really like this detail. The animals, the first animals you see are the birds, and they have clothes, like I pointed out. Then the mice come in, and they're listening to her sing, and you can tell that she's befriended them and worked with them, but they also have clothes. Yeah. And you wonder if, like, at first, did the mice make them cl- their clothes themselves? No. She, she made did. the clothes for them. That's, I guess, established when, um, when Jock shows up. Yeah. And he, uh, he's the first sort of named mice, mouse character we get. What's interesting is also, uh, I like there's a humanism to him, too. Like, he wakes up, and he, you can tell he's just like, uh... And looks down at his tail that's been, like, basically, like, how your earbuds get, like, caught, like, all messed up. His tail is mostly, like, ugh. The, dang the, it! <laughs> has to untangle it. <laughs> the tail, um, the tails of this movie weird me out because they're just lines. <laughs> There's no detail to them. They're just these little black lines that come out of their bodies. Which is weird because, like, the rest of the animation is in this is... Gorgeous! It's it really is beautiful. It re- and I know I say that about a lot of the animation in this, um, in these films, but this kind of—it's it, not as grand as Snow White. I, it is really not as grand as Snow White, but it—it it has that return to it. It does. It does. I, I really like how. Oh my god, the backgrounds really do pop in this film. Yeah, like I love when whenever Cinderella looks out the window and you see the shining spires of the castle, yeah. like standing, like just the complete weenie there on the horizon, like any good Disney castle should be. Exactly. Um, so that becomes a landmark throughout the film, and actually, our, I feel like our setting is almost better established than it was in Snow White. I agree because like, we got the village, the chateau, and the castle. Exactly. And they're all firmly in place from the beginning. Exactly. We're, and, and whereas he, he, in Snow White is a little bit vague where everything is. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of the intention. Because, I mean, with Snow White, she's trying to be hidden right. in the movie. Where this is like, it does, you, you, there's no need to be hidden. It's just, it establishes, here's where our story is going to take place. Mm-hmm. The village, the castle, and the chateau. Well, I mean, it also kind of establishes, even though she doesn't realize it, uh, it establishes Cinderella's... The thing that she wants, although she doesn't know, she doesn't know that's what she wants yet, is right there from the very beginning of well, the film. I think it's more, I think she has an idea of what she wants. That's not the issue. I, because what she wants is she wants to basically enjoy her life. She wants to be free from this life she's living. Mm-hmm. Um, she just can see the castle from where she is. Because she never, when she looks out, she doesn't get annoyed by the castle itself. We're like, it's oh, what a beautiful castle. She That's true, that. actually. I mean, late, it's only later when she looks at the castle longingly because she knows she a ball was- is going on there. But that's that comes later. Yeah. So, I mean... I'm uh, just saying, I'm, that's what I mean. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think I'm being a little clumsy about it. Is like I like that we established that no, us knowing the story 
that's going to be important later. Yes, that's And that's going to be her sort of end goal. And at this stage, she doesn't know that that's the end goal. Exactly. That's just the thing that she always knows on the horizon. It's familiar. That's true. I'm okay. sorry. I really... We, we, we could be here for ages. I um, know. I, okay, so... Be- that's fine. Snow White, our Snow White episode was super long as well, because... Yeah. Well, that was our first one, too. Yeah. Um, but basically, Cinderella's getting ready. Uh, yeah, was- and like you said, uh, because we know she made the clothes for these mice. Oh, yeah. Um, is presented by the fact they just found an, a mouse in a mouse trap, which Cinderella goes and frees him. And it's... It's a humane mouse trap. <laughs> it is a humane mouse trap. <laughs> it's a cage. And, uh, and the mice come and, um, well, Jock really explains to this new mouse, like, no, she's nice. She helps us. We'll help you too. And then Gus comes out. And, well, okay, the new mouse has actually been named Gus or Octavius, but. Octavius. I'm not sure how Gus comes from Octavius. It's the S at the end. That's the only thing I can think of. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of people do call him Gus Gus because he refers to himself as Gus Gus, but. Which he's is just adorable. Gus. It is. Oh, but he is adorable. Now, um,. I'm going to be honest, at the beginning, I was almost kind of prepared not to like the mice. Because of how their voices are? Well, that and because they just seem like kind of the... At first, I was, you know, knowing how a lot of modern animation is, it's just like, oh, no, here's the annoying comic relief characters. And they grew on me as the film went on. That's the thing. Like, at first, I was kind of like, uh... But then, you know, there's the fact that they're, they're handled a little more carefully, I think, is important. I think they get handled the best as the the film progresses, but um, there's so much of this movie which is kind of padded when you think about it, and I, I I don't mean this in a bad way by the mice. Otherwise, the movie would be very short. Okay, so actually, let me get into the story. Like like uh, so there's a point where Cinderella's one preparing um like to breakfast for her step sisters and stepmother, as well as um Lucifer. That's the first thing she does, is she goes and she wake, wakes Lucifer up. Yes. Who is in uh, Lady Tremaine's bedroom. And then I like the fact there is, again, a sarcastic moment by her. It's like he's Lucifer. Okay. Um, before we continue, so first off, I love the fact that he was Cat Lucifer. Like, there's no doubt, like, yeah, we're going to name him after Satan. If you name your cat Lucifer, that cat is going to be an evil evil cat. And then, uh... And he looks like an evil cat. Actually, funny enough, um, this cat was modeled after Ward Kimball's cat. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a a weird fat cat like that? I'm gonna have to look up pictures. I want to know if there's pictures of Ward Kimball's cat. I now want to look this up later on, but yeah, (laughs) I found that out. He was modeled after Ward Kimball's cat. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Was Um, he a mouser? Hmm? Was he a mouser? Ward Kimball's cat? I don't know. Um... Again, all I just looked up was he that uh, he's just modeled after Ward Kimball's cat, and actually it was because Walt Disney went over to his house, sees the cat, and he's like, "Well, that's Lucifer right there." <laughs> um, so uh, again, uh, moments of sarcasm from Cinderella. Uh, Lucifer is like slowly walking out, but he's like halfway between the. Uh, door and the room and he's just being a jerk like he ha- she's opening the door for him and she has to wait until he gets out so she yawns and she's like uh no closes the door forcing him out it's like, like you would with any obstinate pet it's like you're being annoying 
get out. <laughs> so they, um, yeah, they, they go down and he, he, she has to set up, uh, breakfast for the cat. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed, um, during, especially this beginning scene, like, I mean, she's fixing breakfast for the cat and fixing breakfast for her family. There is a bit of a microcosm in this film for the mice. And this film has an amazing scope. Like, you get to watch, like, um, all the different parts of this house from the point of view of the mice. And it's really actually pretty cool, come to think about it. Yeah, you get to see the, you get to see really, really detailed backgrounds from different sizes because the mice are are working their way through cracks in the walls and stuff so they have to get really nitty-gritty with Mm -hmm. the details Uh, the last film i could think of the last animated film i saw um not related to this that i think had this had um a similar level of like attention to detail for smallness was uh the secret world of arietti actually yeah and that was actually what made it really good um like that was one of the things i i really liked about this film i mean secret of arietti is it's okay. It's okay, but I, that was when we of- when we eventually get around in a thousand years to the works of Hayao Miyazaki, we'll <laughs> talk about Arietti at some yeah. point. Um, and I'll rewatch it. I'll see if I, my mind changes at all. But what I do remember from it, I loved the scope of that film. But this Cinderella does the exact same thing from the point of view of the mice. And the one thing I know the mice kind of serve as padding, but. It's like silly symphony padding. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the things they get into are like, kind of remind me of the antics in, um, yeah, like any good, or, you know, there were antics like this in as far back as Snow White. Back then we had the seven dwarves to do mm-hmm. that. In Pinocchio, we kind of had Jiminy and some of the other characters doing that. Well, I mean, Pinocchio and Jiminy have gotten to shenanigans a lot. This, um, this kind of reminds me a little bit, well, not as, I mean, not to the extreme, but Tom and Jerry. Like, I mean, Tom and Jerry went really far. Tom and Jerry would go over the top with the cartoon violence. This one, I mean, because it's Disney, it's still there. Like, there's moments where you see, um, like, like the, like, um, uh, like a button hits, um, Lucifer's nose and it makes an imprint or, um, uh, like, uh, Lucifer has, has a hold on Gus's tail and he's just running in place. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, the, Slapstick humor is still there, and it's actually I actually laughed at uh, a bunch of these moments. Right. Oh, we get to see Lucifer be a jerk again because there's that bit where he antagonizes Bruno, the dog, yeah. who is asleep on the floor when they first come in. And of course, you can tell Bruno is another good guy. Bruno loves Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Bruno wants to eat that cat. <laughs> yep. And um, at one point, the Cinderella is insisting they get along. And <laughs> I, th- I, I wonder if she like did this as a slight just to be joking because like she's like, uh, there's some good things about Lucifer. Sometimes he well, um, there must be something good about him. Ah, uh, that part was funny. I yeah. think he, I mean there must be something good about Lucifer. She's having a hard time thinking of it because no one likes Lucifer. I, I, His just... name is Lucifer for goodness sake. <laughs> um. um. <laughs> But uh, one of the things that she does is, like, uh, she goes out to feed the chickens, too. Uh, oh, wait, that... Does that come... No, that comes after... Yeah, that comes after. That's fine. Like, while she's out there feeding the chickens, that's when the mice try to get across the kitchen and have a misadventure with uh, Lucifer trying to get them. But yeah. he fails. 
Um, and oh, actually, uh, and Jacques making the distraction. That's his job. He he drew the short tail of yeah. their tail clump, <laughs> so he has to be the one to do it. Actually, that's one of my favorite moments is when you see him draw the short tail, and Gus is shaking his hand like, "You did it! You won!" Whereas the other three mice are like taking their caps off, like Godspeed, <laughs> Godspeed, rest in peace, my friend. That sort of thing. They're already in memoriam for him. <laughs> But um, I think also she makes an effort. She's like, oh, don't worry. I, I didn't forget about you. Because, like, she's feeding corn to the chickens uh-huh. and ge- geese and all of that. Um, and she gives it to the mice as well. And I came to realize, you know, she takes actually good care of these animals. Like, she makes sure they're fed. She gives them clothes to keep them warm. Technically, she gives them a way for them to live in the house comfortably without getting caught. I mean, they've made quite a living for themselves in this home, and she helps them have that kind of living. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, like, I mean, it's probably still tough because of Lucifer and all, but, like, she's very friendly to them. Yep. I mean, this is how she's... That's the thing. You have this kind of... You have that kind of personality you're going to win over the local wildlife. That's just mm-hmm. what it gets established in this 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 shared universe going on here. Mm-hmm. So this is a good superpower to have. Yep. Um, so then the sort of servant bells start ringing and... They're all calling They're all this. screaming for Cinderella to come up and give breakfast. There's another gag bit with Lucifer trying to get Gus, who is in a teacup. Yeah. That's being served. And this becomes a plot point later because when um, he fails to catch Gus, but when Cinderella serves breakfast to each of the, you know, each of the rest of the family, one of them eventually finds Gus in the tea. I think it's I think it's Anastasia. Yes. Anastasia finds Gus in the teacup and freaks out. Ah, fat mouse! There was a fat mouse! And of course they think she was playing a practical joke because they don't want, they want to assume the worst. And with that, Cinderella. And then that's when they, uh, she's kind of forced in to go see her stepmother. And again, Eleanor oddly exudes power even just by sitting in the bed. Well, Lady Tremaine is animated so well. It's oh like she's my spooky gosh. I, without being like over the top. I love the animation of it, uh, Lady Tremaine. Honestly, L- Lady Tremaine is one of the most incredibly. I don't want to say developed, because, like, I mean, her personality, like you said, is simple. But the way that she's animated, the way that she's spoken, like, through Eleanor Audley's voice, she comes across as such a presence, and I love that. She really does. Her her presence is there. And I love that the scene where she's introduced, because you've got the shadows on the bed as she comes in. She's under the canopy where it's dark, and Lucifer's down there with her. And the first thing you see before the shadows fade away is Lucifer's eyes just peering out of there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good bit. And, of course, because she thinks Cinderella played a practical joke, she's like, I'm going to give you, like, 4.7 thousand more chores, because I hate you, you terrible person. But here's the thing. She says it so calmly. Yeah. But then it's still, like, harsh. So. <laughs> Absolute authority. This is someone who has kept been, who's used to kowtowing Cinderella. Oh, yeah. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's the worst. <laughs> Which <laughs> makes awful. her the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, is this the point where we cut to the cast of the palace? Yeah, I think this is the part where we cut to the palace and realize the king is insane. <laughs> the king is absolutely bonkers because he's 
He's he that the Grand Duke is going to die. I swear. Like he's he is going to straight up murder the Grand Duke because we see um, the like, king. There's a point where the Duke is like scared, and I even point. I'm like, is that an axe on the wall? That there was, was an throw? axe. Yeah, there was an axe embedded in the wall. The first thing we see is a zoom in on a palace window, and a crown flies through the window and breaks the glass. And that's why the king never wears a crown throughout the entire movie because he threw it in a fit of anger out the window. Somewhere, some. Baker just sees him like, hey! <laughs> a financial windfall has just landed on me. I, I, it, it has um, now pawned it off. Sure, it fell out of the sky and hit my apprentice on the head and gave him permanent brain damage, but I have his crown! It's okay. Um, but yeah, then the king, the king's got quite a temper, and uh, he he's not afraid to exhibit it. Uh, and... and <laughs> the, Talk about talk about different levels of abuse. Here's Eleanor. Here's or I'm sorry. Here's Lady Tremaine just being real subtle and manipulative. And here's the king, basically, emo- <laughs> like just get, having a fit. He's having a, he's having an apoplectic fit, just like he's going to kill the poor Grand Duke. And because all because his his grant his, his son, son the prince has no interest in women <laughs> because he's okay, gay. It's not- he does no interest in women. It's like I want. I my grandchild talk, clock is ticking. My biological grandchild clock is chick ticking. Yeah, and I want my <gasps> because there's a giant clock on that castle. They hear it every bonging every day, and it just makes the king think. Oh man, I need grandkids now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and isn't it a case like he's coming back from school? Yeah, he's been, the, the prince has been away and he's coming back that day, but, and I guess, I, I think the king hoped that while he was gone, he'd meet some lady. He, but at this point, the king literally doesn't care who he settles down with. He says, I just need you to get, a, to marry a nice woman and pr- start producing grandkids, like, ASAP. So, um, I know later on we mentioned, like, uh, and this is kind of disappointing. Like, the prince doesn't have much character development. You're going to be so upset by this. Um, so in earlier drafts of the screenplay, the prince originally played a larger role and had more character development than what was in the final version. Ah, uh, poop. So the prince was actually shown hunting a deer, but at the end of the sequence, it was revealed that the prince and the deer were actually friends and playing games. <laughs> It's it's Bambi. It's just hanging out with Bambi. And then that, when man was in the forest, it was actually the prince. Oh my god! It's, <laughs> it turns out his mom is just like. I just had this image in my head of the prince running through the forest, chasing this deer. And the music's going da na na da na na. But it reveals he's an animal lover and also ha- can communicate with animals like she can. Oh, um, that would be actually neat to know that they have a shared superpower. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, that would have been awesome. Like, I would have loved it if he would have been able to communicate more with this dad. Yeah. And, like, instead of the Grand Duke being, like, the one that's... The Grand Duke being the sort of proxy character for everything. Yeah, it would have been nice, like, if the prince, uh, like, was talking with his dad and something like that. And his dad was like... I want you to have children. It's like, but I'm enjoying my life. I don't... I don't need kids. I'm someone who doesn't want to have kids, just have pets. Which is totally fine. I accept this. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, well, let's have a ball. Oh, God. We have to have a ball. Yes, we're having... We're having a ball tonight. Get it done. And then he's bored. Again, shows his boredom with it, and then... Uh, just we see those crazy paintings on the walls of the prince, which I really enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time we see him. I, I remember I told you, like, whoa! Because, like, they're, like, the king is, like, the speck compared to this one. 
like picture on the wall of the prince. I'm like, it's a painting. Who was commissioned to paint that? That's insane. It's like a painting that takes up an entire wing of the palace. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but yeah, this is what establishes like, oh boy, there's going to be a ball. And um, we are brought back to the chateau where sing sweet nightingale. Swing, 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 sing, nightingale. <laughs> um, and then we we get shown Cinderella singing it as she's cleaning. Because she's beautiful inside, she already has a great singing voice. Because yeah. beauty is always determined by, you know. Well, I think they did this as a way to, like, first off, show that look at this amazing animated sequence we can do. I do like the this, the So Bubble Quartet. Uh, you're actually, this is actually pretty cool too. So, you know how there's a uh, double tracked vocals? Like, she sing like, multiple of, uh, Eileen Wood's voices? Yeah. This is actually one of the first of its use. It wouldn't become widely used until the 60s. Really? It was actually a pioneer for its time. That's impressive. Yeah. Wow. So, Gracie agrees. Yeah, Gracie always agrees. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our dog is, like, sleeping, like, laying here snorting, so. Uh, anyway, sorry. No, that's fine. But, yeah, like, first off, it's a beautifully animated scene. There's a lot of colors in it. The song is actually well done. And then the fact that they're using, again, a, a method that hasn't been used before, really, is... I think they did it just as a animation feat rather than... They, do you think that do you think that they they did it just because they wanted to have this bit where like as each bubble comes up and each each reflection is going to add to the song? Yeah, which is I, pretty clever. I think I think it was basically you know how like in past films they would like create create an animated sequence that seems like where did that come from and it but it's really well animated. I think that's what the bubble scene was for this film. Yeah, yeah, I. I agree with you. I think that's that's pretty fitting. Every everyone's got a little bit of a neat little innovation in it somewhere. So that was very cool. So she gets so as she's like cleaning the floor, she gets um, she realizes that Lucifer has basically stepped in dust and ruined the whole floor. What a jackass! I don't have to censor that because that's just a donkey. Anyway, uh, I mean, what does he? What does he think I look like? A jackass? <laughs> if Pinocchio can use it, if Pinocchio can use it, so can I. So we can, we can, we're allowed to call people jackasses. Apparently so. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because like he's running away and she says, "I'm gonna have to teach you a lesson," and grabs a broom and you're like, "Whoa!" She's gonna beat that cat. <laughs> She's gonna beat that cat with a broom. Jeez! And if it wasn't for the knock on the door. Lucifer would be a dead kitty. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So. I, I want. I want to. I wish that it had. I, I hate to say this, but would not that have been an amazingly dark version if she just straight up loses her temper one day yeah. and just beats this guy? But, but even so, look at how she reacts. She's not like. Again, this I, isn't like a oh. It's like oh no, how sad. It's more like. Oh, um, how dare you? You're going to get it now. I think she was, at the worst, was just going to slap him on the butt with a bristle end of the broom. That's what I thought. That's, that's probably all it was going to be. But it's still, she reacts in a way where it's like, really? Like, she's actually upset. And I, again, that's a normal human reaction. That's why I like this about Cinderella. She's not, like, perfect, Miss Perfect. She has emotions. 
She has feelings. She gets annoyed. Yep. Like, this wasn't, like, how it was with Snow White or, like, even, like, upcoming Disney princesses. She actually is, like, she's actually kind of, like, um, she acts in a human way. She does. And not only that, it's, like, think of the situation she's in, too. Like, it kind of, like, when she's forced to, like, do all this, she has to find ways to, like, release that kind of anger. She can't, she's patient, but she's not, like... She has very few forms of escape from this. Yeah, so it's, like, if the way she reacts is, it's kind of, like, it's a, it, it makes sense she would react this way. It does. I think this is, you know, it's natural. And then, Saved by the Bell, it's the postman. He's got the royal mandate. All available maidens. And that, you know, that's one thing. You know how everybody in a lot of stories is obsessed with, like, the king must marry someone of no noble blood. It's like, no, if you're a maiden in this kingdom and you can make the ball, get to this ball. I'm going to marry my son off to one of you because I want those cre- I want those grandkids. I want those grandkids! That, like, this is how, Give me the grandkids! This is how desperate the king is right now, guys. This is how desperate he is. So I think uh, he wanted grandkids more than he wanted his son. <laughs> oh, he does not care. He does not care. All he wants is grandkids. That's his main end goal. Uh, so Cinderella interrupts the music uh, lesson. Uh, later, Tureen's annoyed and mad, but then is calmed when she realizes, "Oh, it's a it's a letter from the king." And when they hear, "Oh my gosh, they're having a ball," where basically they're inviting all maidens to meet the prince and. One of you guys could marry him. <laughs> and she's like, oh my gosh, we can have higher status. You, my two daughters, can, like, be queen. Let's do this. And Cinderella's like, but I want to go to this ball. And they're like, uh, no, how dare you? You, well, you are scullery maid. And it's like, well, uh, have... And actually, she stands up where she's like, uh, first off, it's, it's, why can't I go? They said, it needs to be every maiden. And it's the king's orders. We gotta follow the king's orders. And, uh, you know, Anastasia and, and Drusilla start to argue, but we, and then Lady Tremaine says, no, you know what? That's fair. If you can do all this and this and this and this and this, if you can do all that and get yourself a dress, then you can go. And of course, she's thinking, that's impossible. But I'm going to sound fair because I'm a manipulative jackass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and then um, we see that she actually does have a dress that belonged to her mother. And they're, they're like, oh, it's so old fashioned. I'm like, you know, if you just like tweaked it a little bit, it'd be fine. But uh, now uh, Cinderella wants this more like modern looking dress that actually looks pretty. Um, this is something we've come to learn too. Uh, Cinderella is definitely like a clothes designer type person. Yeah, she likes to make clothes. Well, we we definitely know that because she's made clothes for all the for a lot of the animals, like the mice and the birds. And that's probably why she did. She was kind of excited about the making this dress too, or like having this kind of dress because she's like, oh my gosh, I would get to get this and this and this. Uh, but then she kind of gets. She- well, they start yelling at her to do stuff once again, and the mice are like, are like. Oh man, she's not gonna be able to do this because guess and even Jock, Jock picked this up immediately. They're like, you know, she's not gonna go to the ball, right? Like, she they're going to make her work until she can't 
make they have time to make this. And then guess what the mice do? They actually care about her. They see her as a friend. They're like, why don't we do it? We got nothing else to do. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, she did all this for us. Why can't we do this for her? So they do. And it's a really it's actually kind of cool to see how this like all of her kindness is kind of paying off. Yeah. Because of the, you know, because she's made all these friends and now they're like, we are going to come through for her in her hour of need. Or she, she doesn't even know it, like, that we're going to do this. Then the, And they sing that little song, you know, Cinderella, Cinderella. And, and you know what's interesting is, the again, I know this is predates Chipmunks by quite a bit, but I can't help but think Chipmunks. Yeah, I know. Also, also, leave the sewing to the women. Even though later on you see that, like, men are also sewing. Yeah, yeah, so, it, I They mean, basically are using an excuse to get Jock and Gus out of there. <laughs> I have a funny feeling that it's like, no, 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 uh, you, please go away. Your your guys are going to mess this up. Get out of here, please. <laughs> so, then we get some misadventures. While the, while the song is going on, we get some misadventures with Gus and Jock. And, um, more slapstick. More slapstick. They find that, you know, here's Drusilla and Anastasia setting up their, um, their dresses. The stepsisters are getting that set up. And they throw a couple things they, they think are ratty and old off to the side. It's trash. They don't care about them. It's trash. It's trash. And they go to retrieve those bits. And of course, Lucifer's there. So they have to have a long and complicated battle of wits with Lucifer in order to get that stuff without being eaten, basically. And it's funny. It's actually pretty funny. The, the best bit, I think, is when Lucifer is digging through the clothes trying to get to them and ends up getting caught in the, like, frilly arm of one of them, so he and looks the, like a weird baby. And slash snake, and he's snaking. Like, yeah, he's, like, inchworming toward them as they're going back to their little crawl space. Um, but he's got the frilled collar around his face, so he looks like he's got, like, a baby bonnet. It's <laughs> a weird and... Slightly nightmarish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're awesome. Actually, again, I, I like watching them make the dress because, again, this amazing microcosm, they actually create this system with, like, strings and, um, like, using shoes to carry, like, lift things up. It's heave-ho, heave-ho. It's quite... Again, it's interesting to see it from a mice's point of view, and I like that there was creative creativity put into that. They have ingenuity, those mice. I gotta hand it to them. The birds help too. That's they wouldn't have been able to get to some of those high places if it weren't for the birds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once again, here's the animal friend. What I like of this is like they're not they're doing this on their own volition, not because Cinderella told them to. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that was also true in Snow White. We're going to be comparing this to Snow White a lot, because it's the only other... It's the closest film we've had in this entire uh, series so far that compares. And the one time the animals really had their... There was two times the animals in that had their own agency. One was when they scared the dwarves yeah. into thinking the house was haunted. And the other time was when they ran off to be, to be like, there's a witch in your house, and she's straight up gonna murder Snow White, so... Yeah. and because Snow White actually tells him, here, we're going to clean the house together, by the way, where Cinderella doesn't ask that of them. They just do it. Yeah, she never asks, she never asks anything of them, actually. Mm-mm. So, the fact that they're all coming together to do this, and you know what's, what's great? Is, when this is all done... Um, Cinderella's convinced that she's not going to be able to get to the ball because, like... she She's worked so hard all day and she doesn't have time to make this dress. 
And she actually tries to, like, you know, like, any person that's like, well, it's it's just a ball. What does it matter? And then... She acts all nonchalant to her family, like, I'm not going. It, it's fine. I, I can... Uh, and then you realize it's, like, any person that's like, it, it's going to be great. And I'm s- s- disappointed. And then... Uh, the, my- the haunted cabinet opens, except it's just birds. Yeah, uh, to reveal that the dress has been made. I actually like how they're yelling surprise, and then Gus yells, Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> I don't a know very why. merry own birthday to you! I, I don't know why I found that funny. It's just such, like, <laughs> it's just such, like, a, I, someone messed up, like, forgot to tell him. It's, it's like, oh, is this why we're doing it? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Well, you know what's, what's what I like is well here here's the thing. Gus is kind of a gentle simpleton, but yeah. he's not a complete simpleton. No, he's not he's not like an idiot. He it's like some things he just doesn't catch on as quickly. Yeah, but he his heart is in the right place and oh, he, yeah. he gets a lot of stuff done. He's a little bit of a klutz. Mm-hmm. Then again, Jacques is also kind of a little bit of a klutz. Yeah, Jacques is They're the bumbling they're the Laurel and Hardy of this uh yeah. this film. Yeah. So Cinderella gets to wear her dress, and she goes down, ready to head to the ball. Can I point out also how grateful she is to her friends for oh, this? Yeah. That's the she's other like thing. Them. She's like overwhelmed, and she's so. And that's another thing. She's got a good heart. I mean, we we knew this from the beginning because she's doing this. But then, like any time, and this happens later too. Anytime something happens to her, she never lets it said that she never. She's never selfish about it. She's always like, I can't believe that this happened. Thank you so much. Yeah. This is the. I mean, even at the end of, like, the whole ball, she actually sends thanks. Like, I mean, she doesn't know how to thank the fairy godmother, but she just, like, puts it, like, says out loud, thank you so much for everything. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, dress comes down. She comes down. Her dress is, she has her dress. And then, um, uh, Eleanor Oddly, sorry, Lady Tremaine. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just Eleanor Oddly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Eleanor Oddly is just so awesome. Uh, Lady Tremaine says, like, well, you, we have a deal. Uh, what do you think of her dress? And then stepsisters act like horrible people. They're like, that's ours, and rips it apart. And it's just... This part is traumatic. Holy crap. Yeah. It, it, this is heartbreaking. Like, and then they're like, well, sorry about that, Cinderella. Have a good night. And then she And you knew you knew you knew that like Lady Tremaine spotted this and knew to lead her daughters on so it didn't seem like it was her fault. Yeah. I That's manipulative. That she's such a bad person. She's awful. And it's great. And she's but she's awful. Um and Cinderella runs away crying and then Verna Felton appears. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Verna Felton! And she has this fairy godmother. What do we think of the fairy godmother? I her, it's such a, it's definitely like a warm, comforting personality. It's not, I don't want to say she's motherly, because, uh. She's more like a goofy aunt. Yeah, <laughs> she's definitely more like a goofy aunt. And then, um, it's, it's, she's a fun character. It's, uh, it's like, oh yeah, you, you have one. But here's the thing, she's like, uh, it, it's sad, because Cinderella's like, uh, it's no use, I, I have nothing. Yes, it's, it's heartbreaking, yeah. actually, in that scene, because she's just like, I, uh, what's the point? Like, she's, this is her lowest point, she's literally like, I did all this and this and this, and I kept hoping and hoping and hoping, what's the point? These people will never let me be happy. And then Fairy Godmother says, you haven't lost hope yet, if you would have, I wouldn't be here. That's amazing, I love that. Yeah. And it's that's actually kind of a nice way to look at like this is an, a final hope. 
Yeah, it's it's Cinderella's hope made manifest. And now, oh, so now, interestingly, she says, wait, you're my, and then she cuts off and says, fairy godmother? Yes. So we presume Cinderella knows about, like, maybe some legends or ideas about fairy godmothers. This could have been an easily told fairy tale, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, they said, oh, yeah, hon, you had a fairy, everybody has a fairy godmother who's there, who will come in your time of need. And, of course, it's... Probably one of those things. It's just a fairy tale, but it's like, oh, you're real. Well, no matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, which she did mm-hmm. without realizing it. And so we get the fairy godmother. And, um, and, and we she, got the awesome bippy boppy boo scene. You know, there's only this. What's great is this this movie only has like a handful of songs. Yeah. It's somehow just as musical, despite because they re. They use the same songs a lot, but mm-hmm. the songs are so good, they, like, don't get old. But this is the one time we hear Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo, and it's it's good. It's Why fun. is every song in this movie, with maybe the only weak one being Cinderella, Cinderella? Yeah. Every every song in this movie is good, I think. It is. Um, Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo is particularly, like, earwormy a yeah, little bit. Yeah, oh, it's definitely an earwormy. I actually, I'll tell you what my favorite one is. Your favorite song? Mm-hmm. In this one? I have a feeling I know what it is. Uh, you probably do. <laughs> I do not doubt you, you You wouldn't. But when we, um, uh, we'll talk about it when, as we go through, but, um, yeah, it's just a fun, it's a, it's a fun, uh, song, but along with it, uh, it's not slapsticky as it's still, like, very silly and fun, like, it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna, and she thinks the dress is gonna be fixed, and it's like, oh no no, we're we're get, we need a pumpkin, excuse me, and then the pumpkin gets turned into a carriage. Oh yeah, we're gonna need a coachman. Yeah, you know that horse you have right there. <laughs> Today the horse, horse gets to be a coachman, and the dog gets to be a footman. Uh, I have a funny feeling there's gonna be one. It's like, what am I? <laughs> I like the first thing they say when they're they had both say different things when they're human like the first thing the horse does is go well, hello governor <laughs> I need gay them toad all and then uh, cause you know it's gunpowder I mean Cyril I mean what <laughs> and then uh, uh, Bruno Bruno becomes um, I, I keep I, I keep like tripping over it because I want to say either Brutus or Boris, and I, no, it's Bruno. It's Bruno. It's Bruno. Bruno becomes a footman, okay. and he looks delighted. Just and like, yay! Also, all the mice become horses. Which, by the way, so the mice. Here's the thing. I thought about this. Um, the mice seemed random, but the fact that they were established early in the film makes it significant when the mice become horses, because that was part of the original Peralt tale. Oh! Was that the four? There were four mice that the fairy godmother okay. turns into horses. Okay, that makes sense. And the pumpkin. Now, it's interesting, too, because both corn and pumpkins come up in this, and those are both new world things, but we are in France. So this helps establish the time period a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that stuff had been imported over, and there they are. Anyway, pumpkin coach. Fairy godmother is awesome, and she's... And I I actually really love the animated bits where they're together, and they're, like, interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. There's something like... And then we get the incredible, I'm gonna make your dress better scene. Bibbidi, bobbidi... Cons- again, con- a lot, many people consider that as like one of the best pieces of animation. Just that little segment. Just that little segment of her, uh, like, uh, like ripped up dress turning into a beautiful ball gown. It is very impressive. It is, and you look at the way she moves in it too, which is great. Yeah, like she she can grab. It's long enough that she can grab the bottom of the gown and twirl with it in her hands, and it looks very good. And uh, she 
points out that she has the glass slippers. By the way, that's actually, um, so in the original French tale, it's actually, uh, fur slippers. Okay. Because, I mean, those are really comfortable. Uh, but apparently, like, the French word for glass and fur is very close to each other, so there was a, uh, bad translation. So that's why they thought, oh yeah, she's totally wearing glass slippers, I'm like, why the heck would you wear glass slippers? That sounds extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) Fur slippers sounds amazing. Hey, I mean, but fur is murder, so (laughs) Cinderella would never wear those because she has friends who have fur. So off she goes to the ball. And uh, And leaving the fairy godmother to disappear with a wave. Bye! Bye. But uh, actually, it's I love how um, Cinderella swans, she's like, uh, yeah, you have to, yeah, at the stroke of 12, the spell will be broken, to which Cinderella runs, it's more than I ever could hope for. That, yeah, good person. My heart. Good person. She's a good, that's the important thing. She's, she has her, she has character, but she's still a good person. She's appreciative. Through. That's the thing. She genuinely, when something good happens to her, she really does appreciate it. Right. So, uh, she gets to the ball, Prince... Prince Boring. Prince Boring. God, it, I hate to say it. Yeah, really I don't actually. He is very there. Unfortunately, he has no. He he, he has no most. personality. He he lost a lot with his character being cut. I it's just so disappointing. It really is. That's the one thing I absolutely do not like about this movie is how like underdeveloped this. <laughs> love interest is well it was it's interesting because it's supposed to be this weird spontaneous thing um and like here he is meeting all these women including the stepsisters and at one point i, I think the one bit of personality you see is he kind of ends a bow by coming up and Yawn. yawning and the king is up in a balcony like almost like he's at an opera with the duke watching and he's just like <laughs> just so annoying it's like i it's like he only meets like Four girls Why and- doesn't he want to bang any of these <laughs> eligible women and produce grandchildren for me? I want Come to- on! What do I have to do? But it's like he sees like four women and all of a sudden he's like, I give up. Yeah, you just see- You're straight, not he, even halfway he through the He sees the stepsisters. He's just like, I give up. There's no yeah. point. There's no- I'm gonna go- I'm gonna go kill myself. <laughs> Oh, dark. <laughs> no. Well, he's about to see, he's saying this. He, or he's not that. Not the thing I said just yeah. now. But he, he's there, and then the Grand Duke starts, like, the Grand Duke is having a fine time. He's just like, oh, this is so funny. Look how you, look how useless your kid is. <laughs> he's so useless. <laughs> uh, but then he describes exactly what's going on without realizing it, and, like, he sees... Uh, Princey Cinderella's like, whoa. Holy moly, who is that honey over there goes with the over. crazy sparkly gown? Goes over, starts talking to her, and... All the guards that are standing there at, like, full-on, like, palace guard attention, they all eye her as she goes by. That was, yeah. like, a little subtle thing that I like. That was an interesting subtle yeah. thing. But yeah, she, he just walks over and he's like, hey... What's up? We never hear any of the dialogue that happens between uh, them, but we presume there is, because otherwise, why would they be hanging out the rest of the night? Yeah, exactly. I feel like they must have had some great conversation. That's I, I want to believe that. Yeah. I know it's not really shown, but I want to believe it. Oh, 
Weirdly enough, and I didn't think about this, she doesn't know he's the prince. No. Because she, she's looking around the palace in confusion when he runs up to meet her. Therefore, he could have been anybody. Yeah, so he's, she's like, oh, yeah, let's have fun. Or it's like, And then he, the king's like, oh, my gosh, he's talking to a girl. Walt, come on, we need a create atmosphere. Let's get them in love, dang it. And so he's like, he's pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Um... Well, uh, okay, my work here is done. I'm going to bed. I like that he just abandons it. He's like, well, I did a thing. I'm going to go home and... Turns to the Duke. He's like, oh, by the way, if anything gets messed up... (laughs) (laughs) He draws a line across his throat. Like, wow! Well, I mean, I was thinking, aha, this is fine. Like, when he's throwing stuff, he didn't really... No, he fully intended when he was angry to kill the Duke, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. He's got real temper problems. I feel so bad for the Grand Duke. Oh, my gosh. Like, he deserves so much better than this. He really does. That poor, beleaguered man. Off off goes the king. And And then, um... So, the next coming up... This is actually my favorite song. It is so beautifully sung and actually like even though like it, it, like you and I agree it's like what a weird placement that they suddenly fall in love this easily but um so this is love is actually if, you know what for anyone who actually has been in love it it's rings true for what the feeling is like it really does there's something very soothing and uplifting about this song without it it's it, it, it's i think a very good epitome of like a, a like a classically romantic Mm-hmm. Song, but it's not like over the top. It's not a declaration or anything. It's just describing something that feels like how one feels. It's describing it in sort of big terms, like you know, like I'll touch all the stars in the sky. But it's not like going like huge about it. Everything is so mellow with the song, and it matches so well with the way that they're just dancing and walking through the palace. Yeah. By the way, before the song really kicks in big time, you see that. The stepsisters and the stepmother don't recognize Cinderella. The stepmother kind of thinks she looks familiar, but then they're off. They're off yeah. and away. Um, Lady Tremaine, though, he's, she's got a bug. She's like, okay, this is... Something hmm, looks hmm, Something's weird. Something weird is going on here. But yeah, um, I would really hope that in this little montage for So This Is Love, since they're not dancing the entire time, they had a time to like talk to each other. And, get and maybe to, get to know each other a little bit. I hope they did. Because at, otherwise... At the end, at the, it's like the end of the night, they're about to kiss. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's midnight. Yeah, it is. So what about it? Then now Midnight is the prime time for making out. And yes. he, she's just like, I gotta split. And he's like, why? And she's like, because reasons. And she's running away. He's like, but I don't even know your name. I don't know yours either. Again, she still doesn't know he's the prince. I assume, like, it's like we've mentioned everything else except, oh, yeah. We literally said nothing to each other. We just danced all night. Yep, that's That's, like, not, that's no, actually no, what happened. I know. <laughs> I want to believe that they talked about a bunch of other stuff, found a lot of things. Without finding out who the other was? That seems like a, you'd think you would ask that question Excuse first. Excuse me? Excuse me, mister. Here's my business card without my name on it. You seem cute, though. But here's my business card. I'm not going to tell you my name. Uh, you know, I was in a weird place at the time. <laughs> I was like, if something happens for this, great. But if not, whatever. I'm so glad that you tracked me down in the yeah. end. So, so that we wouldn't okay. be doing this podcast together. Uh, okay, so. If not. By the way, guys, uh, just to make things oh, clear. Oh, no. Uh, She's going to tell the story. It's adorable. So Dave and I actually met at a convention 
and uh, we recognize each other's um, uh, obscure cosplays. And, I mean, we chatted a little. little. He, I thought he was cute. I could tell he thought I was cute. He didn't give me his name, though. He just gave me a business card. He was like, yeah, uh, by the way, here's my business card. Um, uh, it was really nice. If we you, you feel free to reach out or whatever. You said something like that. Yeah. Because my, I had my my email address was on there. Yeah, it was. Um, my name, while not on the card, is associated with all the stuff I was doing on there. So I, you know, figured you'd find it anyway. Mm-hmm. I just assume, hey, you can contact me through the means that are on here. So yeah, I didn't have his name, guys. I didn't know what his name was up until <laughs> I how I figured out his name was because I searched for him and found him on Facebook. And then said hi. Creepy. Exactly. This is why. <laughs> this is why. But because at this time there was no internet. Yes, this was before the internet existed. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> instead, uh, we had to lose shoes too. Shoe book was <laughs> shoe book where you return lost shoes. Um, yeah, so this part's great because like she's got to get out of there. And by the way, it's the slowest midnight chime ever. And they're like bolt, unless they're really bolting it. Jeez. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is the prince is just like she runs. He runs at the. He's trying to get to her, but all these women get in his way. Just like, hey, pay attention to me. Meanwhile, he she's running down the stairs. The grand duke is like, if she gets away, I'm gonna be killed. Yeah. Like this is the reason he gets so he's desperate. Like, close the gate. Close the gate. And Send then- these guys on horseback with rapiers after her. Yeah. Stop her from Whoa. escaping. My life is on the line. Yeah. This is like, I, I know it's kind of like, oh, it's supposed to be extreme dramatic or whatever. I'm still like going like, this is horrifying that yeah. he has to go to these lengths. Because, to oh get my her. God, if she's gone, I'm going to die. Heaven forbid they like got to dancing and then didn't get along and the prince wasn't interested. Like there's some weird control freak issues going on with all the parents in this story. Yeah, all it's like, parents are otherwise. Exactly. So she gets away, of course, because guess what? Strike of 12. All the spell is broken. They're in the middle of the road. And all of a sudden, okay, gotta move, gotta move. Because the guys, because uh, men on horseback run through the streets and pumpkin is trampled. That's or, sad. Hopefully. Wah, wah. Hopefully they close sp- behind it, a shattered pumpkin. But there was no trace of Cinderella. <laughs> I kind of hope that she took some of these beauty pieces. Like, well, like at least we'll make some pumpkin pie out of this. Man, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, and again, the uh, because her one shoe was left behind, she got to have to keep the other shoe. I'm surprised the other shoe didn't disappear, though. Yeah. Is it because the other shoe got left behind? That's the only thing I can think of. Because that's kind of weird. Like everything else disappeared except the glass slippers. And it's so sweet that she's... Were they just... Did the fairy godmother know something like this was going to happen, so she had one bit of permanency she could attach to her spell? Wink. Like, yeah, this is how this is going to work. Wink. No, the spell, every part of it will fade by wink. Midnight. Wink. (laughs) So, um, Duke goes in to explain what's going on, and we get this whole... Oh my gosh, the king is really going to kill him. Before that, the king the king is exhibiting a dream as a wish your heart makes. He's having a dream about playing with his grandkids that like, don't exist. Exactly. And then he straight he's like yelling, traitor, you did this on purpose. You're trying... Like, this guy is off his rocker. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, it makes sense why his son would be far away for so long. I don't blame the prince. 
for wanting to be away from his dad. His dad is a control freak. Oh, yeah. And then finally it's like, oh, wait. He claim the prince claims that he will just marry whoever fits the shoe. It's like, but there could be a number of girls that fits the shoe. That's I don't care. That's his problem. And that just means I get to have grandkids sooner. Literally, just go out and bang anyone in the kingdom. I don't care. Grandkids. Be interested. I mean, you could be a little nicer. What if he was gay? Yeah. What if he was gay? No, it wouldn't matter. Grandkids. Dude, just I don't care. You you want to you want to you want to settle want... down with a nice gentleman? You do that, but first produce some kids. I don't care. There we go. Give me grandkids. Uh, go and then. However, the prince doesn't go out and look. He sends the duke, <laughs> yeah. which is like really. You think the prince would have some agency here? But no. no, the duke has to do it. And because this is all happening over the course of two days, the duke's been up all night, probably shaking in his boots. I mean, we do see before the he, the king freaks out, he's having a pep talk with a chair. Yeah. The Duke is. And it's the one light on in the castle. Um, next day, he's riding through the country, and he's falling asleep in his seat because he's been up all night. Looking for the woman with the shoe. Oh, and meanwhile, uh, Cinderella is like, hey, sorry I got to things late. I was just really tired. How was the ball? They don't know that she was at the ball. And then I, I can't remember how they find out about the royal decree. One of the one of the stepsisters runs in. No, 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 because no, uh, the stepmother's like, learns about it, and it's like, apparently the whole town's talking about it, and she's waking up the stepsisters, because remember, they're all like, exhausted. Oh yeah, she's the one who wakes them up, that's right. And then, uh, she's like, yeah. no, 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 guys, you don't understand. We have one last chance. You better fit, the one of you girls could fit this slipper then you guys can be, like, rulers, so you guys gotta do this. I like that Cinderella in this moment realizes two things. That One, the dude she had a, she was crushing on at the party was actually really totally into her to the point that she would he wanted to marry her. And two, he was the prince the whole time. So while they're throwing clothes at her, she's just standing there with this vacant, expre- happy expression on her face, blinking slowly, and it's a kind of terrifying. Yeah. And that just proves it's like, no, she didn't go to find love. She just... She, she just wanted to go to a cool party. Yeah, she just wanted to get out for a night and enjoy herself. That's why she said thank you at the end when she discovered she still had her shoe. She didn't need more than that, necessarily. But then it's like she's so distracted that she's, like, going upstairs to her room and, like, getting and, herself And she's her. singing. And stepmother's like, that's how I recognize that girl at the party. It's, it's my little... S- Goes upstairs, locks her in. Cause that part's actually really chilling. Because she's following Cinderella upstairs. I'm like, is she going to, like, stab her? It look it looks like that, doesn't it? Yeah, but she she sees in the mirror. And the mice are trying to warn Cinderella that it's going to happen, but it's too late. She sees in her mirror Lady Tremaine peek her head in, take a key out of her pocket, lock the door, and lock her in. She's like, I'm not going to let you see this. You can't have this. This is only going to go to my, my daughters. And... Mm. But she doesn't say it. It's, no. She says everything with that gesture. Just and through her eyes and everything, it's just, it's, uh, like, her stares are frightening. That's the thing. There's even scenes where everything else, like, the shading in her will darken, but only her, the, her eyes will be lit. And there will be the green of her, like, irises. And it's like, ah! Yeah. Um, and then as we continue, there's this great, like, it, there's this kind of juxtaposition between, like, there's a time limit now of the mice find, trying to find a way to get Cinderella out, and then the Duke trying to get 
try on the slippers for all the sisters, or eat the, all of them, both sisters. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Just, it, and it's like, it's slapsticky, but it's also like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. How are they going to get to the determined time? This is really tricky. Stakes are, stakes are high. Again, great scoping, too. Like, you could, like, there's moments where it's, like, far away, and then it's a close-up on the mice. Like, uh, Gus falls into a teacup, and uh, thinks, oh my gosh, hot tea's going to be poured on me. Oh, thank goodness it wasn't. Or uh, a jock falls into Lady Tremaine's pocket, and then she, like, like ta- like, puts the key in. And then pats it, and Jock gets hit by it, and it's like, it's kind of tense. I'm think I keep thinking back to Mickey and the Beanstalk with this. That's true. Oh, actually, you know what? That's not a bad comparison. No, it's a good thing because they they also had to go into a pocket to get a key from a giant. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a frightening thing. Mm-hmm. This was uh, this was good. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, you know what's weird? I just remembered this. What? Remember how earlier when um when uh the mice are being turned into horses, Gus is the only one left, and just out of nowhere, Lucifer pops up to menace him. Like Lucifer wasn't there the entire time. And then all of a sudden, right as he's about to transplant be transformed, there's Lucifer. Uh Gus gets transformed into a horse, and then the ser- and then scares uh Lucifer away. Mm-hmm. So this is another instance because they they by the way. They have to haul this key up the stairs, the two mice. They have to haul the key up the stairs. And then when they get to the top of the stairs, they have to go up the stairs to the top of the tower of the chateau. And Gus almost dies of a heart attack because he's so horrified at the prospect of moving this key all the way up to the top of the tower. But they do, which is nuts. And meanwhile, unlike the Peralt version, no one has to cut their heels off to try and get there. Yeah. Feet to fit in the blood. shoe. Thank goodness. That was dark. Look at the blood in the shoe. Um, and then... Instead, they have just giant feet. Which Fats Waller would say, you know, I hate you because your feet's too big. No. <laughs> no. Um, but then it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, they got the key. How's it gonna... Oh, no. So not only is, is Cinderella, like, plead, first pleading with her stepmother to, like, let her out, but she, that she can't do this. She's but she totally pleading can. with... Now me. she's pleading with Lucifer, because her one chance at, like, getting out of there has been taken by this jackass cat. But I gotta give props. She was pretty smart. She's like, oh, wait, Bruno. Get Bruno. Well, at this point, she's like, I have no qualms about going. I mean, she was going to hit the cat with a broom. Now she's just like, just get the dog to get rid of the cat. Please, exactly. please, please. But the reason I'm getting to this, because I... So, Bruno chases Lucifer away, and guess what we get? Well, before that, the mice try to, to defend uh, try to defend uh, Gus with forks and with a candle, and it, nothing really works against Lucifer, but they're oh, able yeah. to distract him long enough for Bruno to get there. And then... Lucifer, because he's scared of Bruno, jumps up on the windowsill and gets knocked out of the windowsill, and you see him plummet toward the grounds, and we never see him hit the ground, but we hear his screech as he disappears. So, um, Dave and I were debating this. Yes, in, like, uh, straight-to-movie sequels, he does appear, but in this one, you never see him again. And he doesn't show up in any, like, like... And, like, 
Uh, any later scenes. So you know what that means. You know what? I've been waiting for this day for so long. So so you're okay with saying... Because I don't think the sequels are canon. They're not good enough to be canon. Yeah, let's not I mean, cats, cats arguably have multiple lives in cartoons, but... And that could be it. Like, he lost one of his lives, and then... We, know, we see that cat fall uh, a height that a, it would be impossible for a cat to survive a fall from. We don't see him hit the ground, but we hear his screech, you know, fade away into the distance. Um, I'm calling it. That cat is dead, 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 dead. And we can set the plummet up counter out up to two. Take it away. Oh, man. That's... Oh, it feels so good to hear that. Uh-huh. I can't wait to see what the next one is. We well, are- this is going to start becoming a trend, which is great. Villains falling out of high things that's going to lead to their defeat. Yeah. So we're at two now. We have Queen yeah. Grimhild, the the Wicked Queen. Yes. And we have Lucifer the Cat. Yes. Who is technically the, the, one of the villains yeah. of this, one oh, of the major yeah. villains oh, of you, this story. Totally is. Yeah. So, uh... Um, finally, they're like, well, if there's no other women and uh, neither of your girls can actually fit this slipper, let's get out of here. To which the, the, like, uh, <laughs> the, the Duke is not amused by any of these antics. No, not at all. Cinderella comes down, wait, no, can, can I try it on? And then uh, they're like, no, no, she didn't go. Guys, uh, they're like, no, 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 she's just a maid. Every so, maiden in the kingdom. And because she's so evil, she trips the she guy tri- holding the slipper. And, and it shatters. I feel bad for the dude because he's like, the king, what will he say? What will he do? I am dead. My head is going to be on a pike out front of the palace. And then, of course, the best way to respond is like, well, I have the other slipper. Ah, uh, F you, stepmother. So. <laughs> <laughs> she puts it on and everything's good. By the way, she does have, does she have toes in this scene? Because I don't remember they're animating no, her no, with toes. No toes are animated. That's creepy. Cinderella has no toes. This is, and then, which is funny because her stepsisters have toes. What is this world? This is frightening. They have ugly personalities. I don't think they're horrible-looking characters. I just want to point that out. No, no. They're uh, supposed to be the ugly stepsisters, but they're ugly in spirit. Yeah, that's Yeah. True. Anyway, but they also have toes, so they're not freaks. And it's <laughs> time. There's a wedding. Ding dong. Yay. And they throw rice, and Gus eats one of the rice things because he's Gus. Ha ha. He's the fat mouse, so he needs to eat <laughs> things. He also got into trouble with corn and stuff earlier. Ha ha. Fat Get it? Anyway. Uh. And uh, they, it's kind of cute that she actually got um, the horse to lead in the carriage. That's right. He looks all scrappy. He doesn't look like he belongs with the other horses, and yet... But that's her horse. She loves him. It's great. What a nice bet. I know. And then the mice are, like, waving to her goodbye. It's like, aww. She leaves. She drops the slipper again, but the king this time runs up and picks it up for her and offers it to her, and she kisses him on the head, and he's like... Ah, that woman's going to be the mother of my grandchildren. (laughs) I'm so happy. And they lived happily ever after. And the book closes. Wow. So, okay. Yes, it's a... Okay. For its time... Or, like... Like, if it was made now, everybody would see it as, this is way too old-fashioned. For its time, though, this is incredible work of animation. Yes. And actually, Cinderella as a character is... She actually feels legitimate. 
she, again, she is sarcastic. She gets annoyed. She, um, uh, she makes mistakes. She's flawed. Like, I like this about a character. Mm -hmm. I, I like that for, I mean, is she as flawed as other characters, like, in the later years? No. Like, if she was appeared, like, today, people would think, okay, she's better off. But for 1950? That's incredible. For 1950 family movie, too. Yeah. That's why I like her. Because even in a situation that is so difficult that she's been abused and forced to become a maid in her own home, she still manages to have a personality and keeps hope. And that's something that's actually kind of a nice message. She went through a similar situation with, uh, I mean, Snow White, when you think about it again, because talks to animals, sure, but also uh, abused and forced to do chores by a, a cruel stepmother. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a terrible situation for these two. Yeah. But they both handle it very differently. Oh, well, yeah. One of them was, one of them was going to get murdered, so. <laughs> Yeah. Only one of them was gonna get straight up murdered, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like I like Cinderella. I do too. I think I do I like it more than Snow White. I like this more than well, Yeah, maybe story I don't know. Wise, you know what? Story wise I like this more than Snow White. The animation is Snow White. Is I like the so seven dwarves more than the mice. I agree. But I like Cinderella more than Snow White. I like as a character. And I think the story for Cinderella is a bit better than Snow White. Yeah, I'll agree there. I think I think I like the Wicked Queen and Lady Tremaine on about the same level. Now, there are other Disney villains that I like more than both of them. Um, and one of them happens to be voiced by Eleanor Audley. So we'll, and we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm glad to know that this movie was a success because I think this is a really strong... Uh, this is a really strong movie and, and deserves to be part of the, like, really held up in the canon of great animated films that Disney has produced. No, I, I, I'd like to ask, since it feels like you haven't seen it for a long time, or, like, this feels like a new thing to you, what do you think, how do you think it holds up? I think it actually holds up pretty well. I think there's some, there are some things that are definitely dated about it. Like, I pointed out, not so suddenly, leave the sound to the women. Yeah, that doesn't hold up. Or the fact that there's no the prince has no personality and that characters fall in love right off the bat. By the way, I'm gonna say that the I'm not I, it's very little amount, but the prince in Snow White is actually better than the one. Yeah, the prince in Snow White is better because he at least has some. Well, I don't know. Neither of them are that compelling, but at least the. I mean, the, the prince in, in, in Snow White is a little bit of like, he just shows up like, hey, you're cute. I'm going to sing to you about how much I love you immediately. Yeah. Because I just want to, I mean, she was 14. She was 14. She was 14, for God's sakes. Do we know how old Cinderella is? No, we don't. I think we can safely assume, yeah, she. we can safely assume she's much older. I could be 17. At least 17. But who knows? It's hard to say. Um... But yeah, like I, it's I'm not gonna let me. It's just because I've seen so many package films. After a while, this was basically a relief. This is a breath of fresh air. Uh, Go ahead. I mean, package films are nice in their own degree, but when you've watched six in a row, you you feel really good coming back to a feature animated film, and that's probably gonna be pretty much what we deal with going forward. Agree. Well, to be able to do deep dive, kind of 
pseudo story analysis and certain bits of this too. And also really refreshing because we're not jumping between different shorts. So yeah. All right. So our next film coming up is Alice in Wonderland. Oh, I'm excited for this. You know, I'm very excited no. for this one myself. No. Oh, God. Okay, my excitement has disappeared. I don't know why she's so worried about it anymore. I mean, I just make the whole thing so much more delightful. I hate you. <laughs> tea? Would you like more tea? Uh... Oh, fine. If you don't want it, I'll have it. I mean, I shouldn't go to waste. In the meantime, while you're all here, I'll stop. I'm sorry. Alright, goodbye everybody. Wait, hold on. Where can people hear more of our stuff? We oh, should yeah. talk about that. Oh yeah, plugs. Kayla, what's, what kind of things would you like to plug? If you like horror and literature, check out Darkly Lit on the Creative Horror um, Network. I'm on that one too. Yeah. And, uh, your turn. Uh, as always, I do a couple of other shows. Uh, I do the Midnight Marinara podcast here on Benview, benviewnetwork.com slash Midnight Marinara. I also do the Undercooked Analysis podcast, which just recently made the move to creativehorror.com, which is also where Darkly Lit is. Uh, creativehorror.com slash UCA or Undercooked Analysis is where you can find it. You can just go to Creative Horror and look it up. Uh, we are producing episodes there weekly, so you can find new stuff. And that's just, that's uh, less PG and is me and my friends and hosts uh, just bantering about silly and not so silly internet horror fiction we stumble across uh, or get sent to us. Um, in the meantime, I don't know if there's really much else I have to plug, except, uh, well, no, not really. I think we can go ahead and have a send-off, because the clock's striking midnight, and we're going to turn into pumpkins if we don't get off this podcast soon. I'd rather not turn into a pumpkin. That's fair. We don't want to be thrown at Ichabod Crane by the Headless Horseman. So let's get out of here. Okay, maybe I might turn into a pumpkin. No, man, I'm getting out of here. there in Benview podcast land. My name is Josh and this is Jesse. Hello. And we happen to do a podcast about video games called the Extra Damage Cast. Indeed we do. If you like to talk about video games or more accurately listen to other people talk about video games, you should check out our podcast. It's at extradamage.com or on the Benview Network website, whatever that is. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.